everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Very excited to film this one. I know it's coming out a little bit late, but we're thinking we can use it as a good way to reflect um, on Black History Month, just because something that we all talked about was how people just kind of like reflect during the month and never afterwards. So we wanted to do that. Um, so my name's Sezin. My pronouns are she, her, hers, um, and I'm in PC21. My name is Meg. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm also in PC21. And I'm Ash. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm in PC22. Yeah. <laughs> so fun having a PC22 on. Okay. So our little like intro question is, what is one success, one challenge, and one amazing meal from your week? So like it's called a wow pouch owl, but I felt like I should probably explain what that meant. So my wow would be getting my littles. That was a very fun experience. My pow is that I just feel like the vibes are kind of low this week slash this month. And I'm hoping that March kind of like picks up a little bit um, and people feel better. And then my chow, which is my amazing meal, I would say is the tacos I had at El Techo for reveal dinner. Um, those are really good. They had like a fried avocado taco that I was literally obsessed with. And that's my wow pouch out. That sounds delicious. Did you guys go like for reveal? We did. It was nice just because I was coming in, like I was just driving in. Um, and then one of my littles, Katie, had work. So it just like it worked very well that we all can kind of do like a late dinner. Katie Pope is dope. I think I'll say that. Katie Pope is her. so dope. I Your agree. little Instagram handle. <laughs> Those were the most fun parts of Big Little. Ash, Ash you'll get to experience it next year. Yeah, I'm not even kidding you. I'm going to continue to post on mine every time I hang out with Stella. Like, I'm going to keep it active. It's not dying. <laughs> no, literally, as you should, because that was what Alrina was saying. Alrina's in PC21 for all the listeners. But <laughs> she was like, I just want to keep going with the Instagram. Low-key, me too. Her mom, like, Stella's mom was so supportive. She's, like, DMing me and commenting on all of her pictures. She's like, oh, brilliant. And I was like, honestly, I'll just keep this Instagram running for you. <laughs> Okay, so for me, a success was definitely Big Little. I think like the culmination, I was just like, was very stressed during it. I'd have actually like dreams that Stella would see like my reflection through a picture I'd post. So like, I'm definitely happy that I no longer have to keep a secret because she was in my comparative politics class. And every time I looked at her, my hands would get sweaty. Cause I was like, she doesn't, she doesn't know that I'm a big. I was like, I want to review myself right now. Um, but like, also, I guess just the fact that I like finished two midterms today, I thought that was like, Definitely like I'm halfway there already, which is great. It's only been a day. Um, a challenge at the same time probably is the same one. Um, just like midterms and probably late lacrosse practice because like, I get out at like 11 p.m., which means showering until like midnight I'm in bed or whatever. So that's been hard on my sleep schedule. I know I fully just gave two of each. I'm feeling generous. Um, and one amazing meal I've had this week was definitely deli I don't remember the day it was on but I had a mm, egg and cheese with avocado and bacon on an everything bagel and it was a mouthful quite literally but it was amazing so yes okay so for me I'm gonna go off the same thing my success was big little um uh, it was just it was so perfect it was so amazing the entire day I hung out with my big it was wonderful like I feel like I have this like new little support circle which is just so fun and I'm like 
I bonded with everyone. So it was literally like the most amazing day ever. I am so, so happy about that. Um, one challenge I would definitely say is midterms. I am prepping for March 10th specifically because that day I have all midterms. So that's, that's going to be probably the day on my gravestone. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then one amazing meal I had this week. Okay. This is technically this morning. Cause it was like one 30. Um, I did Grubhub Taco Bell. It just hits so different. I came from a late night Gelman study sesh and I came straight. So I had my taco. My driver was just sitting in front of my dorm. I picked it up. Best meal, best meal ever. I love that. That sounds literally so good. I love food. I'm sorry. That's always like my favorite part of Bob Pao Chow is just like hearing what people have to eat and then being very inspired. <laughs> Okay, so before we start, as always, we're going to do a trigger warning. So some of the things that you'll hear us talking about um, as it pertains to Black History Month include, but are not limited to, because we try to do as an exhaustive list as possible. So um, violence and murder committed against Black people, segregation, racism, and Black trauma porn. Um, we tried to keep this podcast like as informative as possible, but also like not just making it a place where people are like trauma dump or like only include negative things. Like you'll see what we talk about kind of later in this podcast is just the idea of kind of highlighting black joy. So we will try to stray as far away from like being a downer all the time, but it's also important that we hear these things. Um, so Meg, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to be talking to you all about Black History Month, how it came about, some prominent figures in the creation of it, how we benefit from it now during the present day, and why it's important to uplift Black voices all the time and not just during Black History Month. So to start off, um, I know I talked about this in our first chapter of February for those who were present, like current members, but for all those who didn't hear or maybe just briefly blacked out during chapter because those sorts of things happen. <laughs> um, Black History Month originated in the US. Other countries around the world like Canada, Ireland, and the UK also celebrate it, but in those countries it is observed in October. Um, the US Black History Month was chosen to be in February because it coincided with both the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Doug Douglass, excuse me. And prior to Black History Month, it was called Negro History Week. And that was coined in 1926 in the United States by Carter G. Woodson in the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, which is abbreviated ASNLH, which is not a very short acronym. Um, President Gerald Ford officially recognized Black History Month in 1976, calling upon the public to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every, in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Now, moving on to a few prominent figures in the creation of Black History Month, this is not an exhaustive list, um, but these are the ones that I remember learning about in school and stuff like that. So a lot of these names will sound familiar. There is Carter G. Woodson, who first coined the term um, Negro History Week. There's Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., Muhammad Ali, Frederick Douglass, W.E.B. Du Bois, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, and Maya Angelou. And we benefit from Black History Month because we share and celebrate the culture of Black people all around the United States and the world. But we also understand Black history and it's more geared towards Black accomplishments in this month. And of course, during all times. Um, but we in specific get to learn about it and celebrate all those sorts of joys. And I love seeing like all of the Instagram like stories and stuff like that because they're really informative. I know that like for my education, at least I was in public school and we kind of like not glazed over these things, but definitely learned the same things each year. So I really like learning about them every single day, like moving forward. 
Um, and lastly, it is extremely important to uplift Black voices every single day, not just during February. I know that a lot of corporate companies do this where like they'll very much market themselves by like posting pictures of like only their Black like employees and stuff like that. And like the rest of the year, it's kind of just like very much back to normal quote unquote for these companies. Um, I know that for a fact, like a lot of companies do this in June for gay pride and that sort of stuff. And then it's like, boom, back to black and white after it's done. And you'll say nothing or address nothing. And you'll hear about these like institutional problems throughout the year that companies don't really address. Um, uplifting, uplifting, excuse me, black voices only during black history month leads to tokenization and basically sends the message that black voices are only important because of their history, but not, and not also because of their day-to-day -day contributions. And it's, it's critical to amplify black voices and other historically marginalized groups of people's voices every single day. And that is all for me. I'm going to take it over to Sesson. Yeah, thank you. I loved what you were talking about. It reminds me, so I was, I'm in sociocultural anthropology right now, and we're reading Barracoon. Um, so we talk a lot about like what it means to like respect people's past, but also continue it into the future. And there was this term that was like descendant community, which is basically just like in order to honor the people now and in the future, you have to honor people in the past and like treat them all like humanely, obviously. So I feel like you did a really great job of touching on that. Um, so, so I'm going you. to, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about black trauma porn. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, um, that is the portrayal of racism, racial violence, suffering and bias against black people in the media. Um, Usually when people think about this term, they think about footage of abusive events to create notoriety and buzz for social media attention. So when I think about it, I think a lot about like the movies that are specifically only about like slavery and colonialism and civil rights movements or like Instagram posts that go around um, that have really graphic images of violence against Black people. Um, and I think something about this term is that when people hear like me, for example, or somebody else said, like, it's, it's important to stay away from, like, Black trauma porn. We aren't trying to say that movies and, like, media that help people understand the struggle of Black people aren't important, because they are, but it's more of an importance of supporting and uplifting Black communities and the need to educate others, and that doesn't really tie in with, um, like, only portraying Black people in a way that kind of implies that they're only suffering. Um, when I was looking up like what I should talk about for this section. I was reading an article by Maryam Muhammad called Getting Off What Black Trauma Porn Is and Why We Hate It. Um, and they had a really great quote that says, quote, where are the movies about happy black people? Why don't we have more of our own science fiction movies? Is it too much to ask for little black children traveling in outer space or developing superpowers? What about the black mermaids, centaurs, elves, or fairies? Are we not allowed to have those? And why should every mystical creature or magical adventure be limited to whiteness? So when I read that, I was like, that's literally the whole point. Like, such a good point. Because I think that's what, I think usually when you see like a primarily black cast, it can go one of two ways. Like it can be a very like good time to highlight the fact that there can be like black joy and black power in ways that isn't just about slavery and colonialism, or it just ends up being a period piece about the civil rights movement and, shows like black people getting whipped or for, like something like that. So I think it's really hard, especially like with the fact that Hollywood is so white to have a good balance. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting quote. 
And, and then something else is just, we shouldn't like stop making movies that educate people on racism or the fight for equality for black people, but it's more important to have a balance. Um, so it should really be mirroring society rather than only reflecting on the past because at the end of the day, trauma isn't all that black people are or ever will be. Um, and one thing that's constant in society is the fact that we're always changing and growing. So it's kind of important that our social media and like any media that we put out reflects that as well, especially as we continue to be really big into technology. You know what I mean? Like, I think on social media, especially it can be so toxic, but it could also be a way that people learn. Like I know a lot of the times, the first time somebody will hear about a news story is because it's on social media, it's on Twitter, it's on Instagram. Um, and the same thing happens when it comes to like a negative news source about like violence against Black, against black people, for example. Um, but I think there are ways to portray that healthily and like in an educational sense and not just like, here's this awful video. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that we're all kind of like learning together, especially if we're not black, like how do we support black, the black community? How do we support like black freedom in a way that is healthy and like, okay, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of that is going to the black community and seeing like what they would want. I think at the end of the day, it's just listen to the people that are affected um, and they will kind of guide you. And then the last thing in my section that I want to talk about is something that we talked about in the DEI committee a couple of weeks ago, um, which is this idea of normalizing identity. So it's a lot of, it has a lot to do with that quote that I talked about earlier, um, where it's kind of important to just make sure that like whatever you're doing and whatever you're watching, for example, on like TV or Netflix, is something that's inclusive of like multiple identities. Um, for example, like I think we recommended Lovebirds, for example. Um, that's a really funny comedy that includes, I can't remember the names of the uh, main actors, but they're really awesome. And I know they're in a bunch of things. I'm just terrible with faces, but like the protagonists are like a black female and an Indian male. And like, it has nothing to do with their race. I think they make like one joke about race, for example. But like, after that, it was all just this like really funny comedy about the secret cult in a city. Like something that's so like wacky and funny. And it just so happens that main characters are people of color. I think leaning towards that is exactly what they were saying in the quote. Like you can't, like you shouldn't be limiting like romance and comedy and action and adventure to only like white communities because that's just like not, that's just not fun. That's not cool. Like, I wish I was more eloquent, but it is 9.15 at night. And that's probably the best word that I can get out. Just like literally not cool. Anyway, that's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I really liked the last part. I know that we did talk about that in our last meeting, um, but it's the fact that like, I am Asian, but like everything I say does not have to relate back to my identity. And like, in like, colloquial conversation or like whatever like that's how it is but sometimes in tv shows especially like when tv shows are first starting to like include more diversity they tend to like typecast a lot of characters where it's like oh I'm Asian so I have to relate everything about how like I am Asian and this is my identity like it is a core part of my identity like my ethnicity but it doesn't mean that like that is the only way I know how to identify myself and I think that's super important yeah, and um, going off of that, I feel like when you don't fit that stereotype that's like portrayed in media about being, knowing everything about your culture, because for me, I'm first-generation American, so I feel like a term that I really hate that's used a lot is whitewashed, 
because um, a lot of people of color are referred to whitewashed when they're seen as more American than the idea of what their culture is to other people. Um, I think media has had has played a presence in that kind of stereotype, um, which I don't think is widely talked about. So I think that's another interesting point. Yeah, I'm actually gonna have it. Ash, I completely agree. I'm also first gen. And so that is something that I really struggle with as well, especially because like, despite being Middle Eastern, like my skin color would not show that. So like, if I'm like, if I'm speaking Turkish, or if like a family member is speaking something like that, or like, another family member of mine might quote unquote look more Middle Eastern than I do like I get told that I'm like whitewashed which doesn't make sense because I'm like kind of white like I don't know it's just like a whole thing that you could kind of go down that little rabbit hole about and I agree that like especially with social media like I think people kind of use stereotypes to determine whether somebody is like Asian enough or Middle Eastern enough or like black enough for example and if they don't fit that stereotype then they're whitewashed so exactly I and I don't think anybody should have to prove you know um that they know certain aspects of their culture need to be quizzed on if they're, you know, if they're too American or if they're too related to their culture and they're not like have adapted to like the American kind of ways, which is, I feel like, like on being in college, I've only been here for a couple months, but I've heard the term whitewashed so many times, not uh, specifically directly towards me, but I've heard to other POCs, I've heard other black people say, oh, that maybe I'm whitewashed or I've been called whitewashed or use whitewashed in a term that, you know, isn't fair to them or isn't fair to anyone. But yeah, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Black-owned business, black businesses and artists in the DMV area. Um, all of these businesses I've either, I've been to or I've had friends who've gone to. So um, they're legit. Um, I'm going to start with Fran's Body Care. Um, I have soap from there. So amazing. Smells so good. Um, it's a sustainable black owned body. They carry um, body care products. So there's deodorant, body scrub, bar soaps based out of Maryland. Um, everything is very reasonably priced and it's good for the environment. Uh, moving on to, I'm totally going to butcher this, but Sankofa Video Books and Cafe. It's in D.C., um, it's a cool area just to chill, listen to music. They have a wide variety of books. Um, there's also a lot of art. It's a very, very chill environment to go with friends, a cup of coffee, a small snack. Um, Lit Soul Candles, which is an online business. They make candles in old food tins and the food from the food tins is used to make, uh, is used to cook food for the homeless in the DMV area. So that's definitely another place to check out. They have really, really good smelling candles. I got one and it's so good. Um, Ben's Chili Bowl in DC is definitely a college kid favorite. I, I've been, uh, I've had a bunch of friends who've been so good. Nice, good like bowl of chili on like a cold winter's night. Cures everything. Um, Mahogany Books in DC uh, exclusively carries books by African-American writers and other, and talks about um, black stories. So their selection is very diverse in different African-American point of views and stories about um, Black people. And then I, I love, love, love this place. I was actually there, I want to say, oh, no, I was there yesterday. Uh, ben, uh, 
busboys and poets, it, they have multiple locations in DC. Um, they specialize in soul food, but they also have a, uh, a section with a bunch of, they sell books. It's like a bookstore too. Um, it, my friend took me for, to try soul food for the first time. Uh, that should have been my meal because that was so good. I had fried catfish and collard greens and grits. So good. We'll be going back. I sat there and studied for like five hours. It was such a great environment to study. It's so good. And then Wait, I'm going to hop in really quickly. I know people who have raved about busboys and poets and they do have a vegetarian menu. So I'm like itching to go. It's Literally I'm pescatarian. So I was like a little bit worried at first, but there's a huge vegan. There's uh, a lot of vegan yeah. food. There's a lot of vegetarian food, um, but they also have meat, seafood. They have basically so everything. Good. There is also for our, any of our older listeners, there is also a fully stocked bar and everything. And then finally, I'm going to talk about Ben's Next Door in D.C. It's a fun, playful little comfort eatery. It specializes in traditional Southern dishes. I personally have not been yet, but my friend is obsessed with this place. Like she goes constantly. So that's another place to check out. Um, to wrap it up, I just want to say you can also another way to promote Black Joy is promoting uh, works of art, movies, um, literature made by black people and amplifying these voices it's not just about visiting these businesses but amplifying voices in general and that's my little segment guys that was so good i love talking about black joy i think i think that's something that i've been realizing like going through i don't know how to say this without sounding stupid but just like going through like a journey of like how to be an ally for communities that I'm not in and like how to be a good advocate for myself and communities that I am in. And I think like at its core, the thing that kind of keeps me going is knowing that like there is joy in all these communities and like they're not bogged down by like just one thing. You know what I mean? Like I think when I was growing up, when I heard certain communities names, like it's like, oh, like, oh, like they've gone through so much. Like that was something the article was talking about. It's like, you don't want to say like, oh, like they're so strong. Like I wish it was as strong as them. Like just like let them live. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I know that was probably like not coherent at all. And correct no, me I, I totally get that. Um, another thing about Bless Boys and Poets, I went with my best friend. Um, when I, I sat down and I was like, oh, this place is really cool. And she was like, this place makes me feel safe, which wasn't a sentence I was personally expecting to hear. When she said that, I kind of like stepped back for a second. And I was like, I've, I personally have never felt like unsafe or like uncomfortable the way she has, um, especially being around in DC, going to a PWI. Um, There's so many different aspects that can make a African-American person or a black person uncomfortable on campus that I didn't really think about. And her hearing her say that line made me like think for a second, like the importance of promoting black joy and the importance of promoting like black businesses and taking a step back and reflecting about other perspectives that are on campus not just my own because I, I know I'm a minority but I we all have such different experiences with our different cultures and our different paths that we go down yeah I really loved um Ash your segment because I feel like I knew most of what I was talking about and I understood the significance of what Sazen was talking about but like I'm from New York I'm very rarely in DC and like even in Rochester which is like 
not that populated and like there aren't that many things going on in the city just because it's like bus belt and like it's not super populated anymore um and like I know that um DC has like a really big black population and I'm just like really excited that like I was actually on like an outfield date with like Margot and I was like what are some places I should go to like this is my first semester in DC and she was like the very first thing she said was busboys and poets and so I wrote it I still have like this document I like wrote it down like all of her recommendations and I actually like funny enough have not gone so like I really we should do like a little committee trip down there because I would absolutely love that I think that like I would love yes that. like please oh my uh-huh. gosh for sure there are like four things I wanted from that menu it took me like 20 minutes to decide what I wanted <laughs> I eventually just had to be like and I also like like we were there for a while like I kept ordering things <laughs> Wait, like, see, but I love plate. doing that I sharing plates is so ideal we will definitely have to do that no absolutely sure. like what you said about your friend who was like I feel safe here I think it's important to like obviously support black businesses and stuff like that but also support the spaces that it creates for people like that I think that's exactly yeah I really cannot wait to go with you guys so thank you so much for that so good guys I'm so excited (laughs) um but I would say like if anything does anyone have anything else they'd like to add yeah, I'm really happy to be back with the podcast. Uh, I love it's a small podcast. group today. <laughs> I know it's a small group. I feel like midterms have really been like getting people down. So hopefully oh, yeah. the next time we release the podcast, you'll hear a couple more voices. Um, but I'm very excited. This was a really great podcast. Welcome, Ash, to the team. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so exciting. Anyway, we will close up here. Oh, my AirPods are falling out. We will close up here. Thank you for listening. And as always, feel free to ask any of us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or you have anything you'd like us to talk next about. Time. And if you want to join in next time, oh, please yeah. reach out. Because it is right. totally open to the chapter. So if anyone wants to join in, just let any of us know or, you know, scream it down the halls and one of us will probably hear. So I was going to say, I know that most of the people in our chapter have really good podcast voices. And so I'd like to hear it come to fruition. I can't speak. So maybe we should have someone on this podcast that knows how to speak. <laughs> no, I like, I love it on Zoom because I will like fully do not have an original thought of my own when it comes to like being on demand and recorded. Like this is the like, this is the final take, but it's also the first take. So I script it and I like spend my little time before the podcast just typing like furiously away because I can speak. But no thoughts go through my head except for like the words that I have down on the screen. Literally. Like, <laughs> preferably I would script everything in my life. That would be ideal. No, I okay. totally feel that. I have the memory of like Dory from like Finding Nemo. Like I'll have a thought that comes into my head. Next second, gone. Then I'm like, I have okay, no well, object permanence either. I think a lot Nor of people do think I. I do. Is that like a shared Kyo trait? It's just lack of object permanence. <laughs> too good all right okay i'm gonna stop the podcast recording so nice talking to everyone lots of love i love you all bye guys